0: Y'all look like y'all are sitting there waiting for me to say something important. I sure hope I don't disappoint you. I want to read something to you. And while I'm getting ready for that, turn in your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians and chapter 1. I have a radio broadcast, as you know, Fridays I go live, but I got this email, it says, I had just finished doing some yard work, trimming hedges, I was taking a break on the back porch this morning, I turned the radio on to Glenn Beck, I listened for a moment and told the Lord, this is not edifying me at all. I pushed the station button to WTBN and heard you read in the letter I had wrote you about my deaf wife and her ability to read your lips on the Sunday service streaming. I will be very truthful, Pastor Arnold. The Lord was showing me that I can be an encourager or a discourager. That choice is up to me. He says, I have been in discouragement and depression for a couple days, and I see again how the Lord can use me. I printed out the directions to your church this morning, if you will allow my wife and I to go there. Yeah, we always ask people to give, do they have to get permission to come here. <laughs> no. I have not lived my life for the Lord. It's been spotty at times. Please pray for me. Again, it was good to hear a familiar voice on the radio proclaiming God's truth. And um, he emailed me and said that he was going to come to church. So last Sunday, I looked for him. We had people raise their hand if they were a first-time visitor, and I was a little discouraged they weren't here. I was at the back door shaking people's hands, and they came through the door. Shook my hand and said, this is my wife that I wrote you about. But I didn't have much time to talk to them, and they left. Well, last Sunday night, I preached a sermon on how you can know you have eternal life and they watched the broadcast as we stream it, and this is what he said. My wife and I went to your church Sunday morning. I heard you preach the word of God. I did not understand or comprehend eternal salvation. Again, I streamed your Sunday service to my home, and my wife and I watched and listened. It was like a light went on. I considered carefully what you said about God's way versus man's way to salvation. I wanted so bad to be satisfied resulting in restless and turmoil for 50 years of my life. I was headed to hell and I knew it Sunday night. I had a choice to make. Did I believe God and what he had to say about salvation or was I going to cling to what I had been taught all my 50 years? My thinking and belief was pulling me down quicker and quicker like a giant black funnel cloud. My intellectual thinking about the matter kept me in ever-ending head spinning confusion. Am I saved or am I lost? That night, I trusted Jesus and his payment for me as the only way of ever going to heaven. Believing that he did it just for me. And I know what he has given me. A free gift. Eternal life. So simple. All the glory belongs to the Lord. I want to say thank you. Robert Dixon. And so, I just thought I'd like to share that with you, that the streaming does pay off, and the radio broadcast does pay off. And I would like for them just to stand. Go ahead and just stand up right there so they know who you are. <laughs> this is Robert, and this is his wife, and her name is Sherry, thank you so much. You never know who is listening and the impact that it might make on someone who's not familiar with hearing it all the time. Sometimes we take things for granted. But here in the book of Corinthians, I'm going to be a little bit everywhere. I I don't have any notes. I I got my Bible, but I just want to talk to you. Uh, I was given this morning something that um, I just can't believe. Because they have on here what we believe. And I just can't believe what they believe. This is from the Open Door Community Church, gay pastors, Randy and Gary, serving Little Rock in Central Arkansas. So, this is not our typical church. But at least they offend somebody. They wrote, it looks more like a disclaimer. It says, Open Door Community Church is made up of people from various church denominational backgrounds. To fully define what we believe would be difficult, and doctrinal statements tend to be exclusive and divisive. However, it is possible to extract some common beliefs, particularly from those traditionally accepted as the basics for hundreds of years of church history. Using those foundational truths, we present the following statements as a framework Around which we can unite, a covenant with which we can agree. In detailing this information, the following disclaimer should be noted. The phrasing of these statements are not inspired and can be interpreted various ways. That is not to say that anyone desiring to unite with this church must believe all these truths. We are very diverse, and the actual incorporation of these truths can vary greatly. But at least it gives those who are making the decision some idea of what we believe. It is not our desire to limit what we believe to just these statements. In this platform, we're only attempting to present the basics. Now, isn't that as clear as a glass of mud? (laughs) Well, if you were here during Sunday school, I was trying to give you some basics. Foundational truths. Things that are rock solid. We believe. And therefore, I want to go a little bit further. Now that we're on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, you see, you must be justified before we discuss about being sanctified. So here in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, look there in verse 2. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Now did you know that these people in Corinth were called saints. And if you study the book of Corinthians, this is the worldly, carnal-minded, materialistic bunch of people that you've ever met in your life. Like a lot of churches today. These people had accepted the free gift of eternal life. They knew they were going to heaven when they died. They believed that. And God saves them justifies them, clears them from all sin that they've ever done or ever will do and they have accepted that payment Christ made. They're now God's child going to heaven when they died and it doesn't look like they were about to serve the Lord. Oh, but they met together. But there was no sanctification in their life in the sense of living like a saint. You see, the word saint comes from a Greek word hagiazo, meaning to be made pure and holy and set apart unto the Lord. They belong to the Lord. They have been made pure and holy by the payment Christ made. But in their life, they were anything but pure and holy. See, you can trust Christ as your Savior and never have sanctification in your life. The where you live a sanctified life, live a holy life, a godly life, But it is the will of God that we do so. So take your Bible and look there in chapter 3. Chapter 3 in verse 1 says, And I, brethren, so he's talking to those that know the Lord, they believe the Lord, they call saints, not because of how good they are, they're called saints because they have been made sanctified by Christ, made pure and holy. So he says in verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Because you see up in chapter 2 and verse 15, there's those that are spiritually minded. means they mind the spirit. And they can discern the things of God. There's some of God's children that have no discernment. They don't know what God says. They never learn the word of God. So they can't tell what's really right and wrong and how to make decisions in their life. So they don't grow spiritually. He says, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, as unto babes in Christ. In other words, they were fleshly minded. It means they mind the world. They do what they want to do. Christians that were saved, but wanted to live the way they wanted to live. There's many things in their life that never stopped. They never stopped doing. Their lives had not been transformed, no change. So what is Paul going to do with this carnal, worldly minded church? And that's what they were. Paul didn't change the gospel message on just salvation by faith and faith alone. He begins to teach them proper doctrine. So he tells them about the judgment seat of Christ. You see there in chapter 3 where he makes a statement in verse 9, for we are laborers together with God. He says, you are God's husbandry, you're God's building. Look in the last part of verse 10 where he says, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. On what? Well, verse 11 says, for other foundation can no man lay then that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our foundation. He is the one that we're trusting in to get us to heaven. So when we trust him to take us to heaven, he is what we trust, he is what we rest on. But he says you want to build on the foundation. So how strong you become is your choice. And some Christians make good decisions and some Christians make bad decisions. Some grow and become spiritual giants for the Lord and others are still babes in Christ. They're fleshly minded, carnal minded. Means they just do whatever they want to do. Live the way they want. They let the old sinful nature they have dominate their life. They don't yield to the Lord and say, Lord, what will thou have me to do? It's whatever I want to do. And so that's how they guide their life. And there's many things in their life was destroying the church. They were living wicked lives. Very, very bad. But Paul loved them. God loved them. He doesn't kick you out of heaven, so you can't go. He didn't take away their salvation. But there's one thing he did do in chapter 5. He says that we're going to pray. Because, see, they're looking at verse 1 of chapter 5. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentile that one should have his father's wife. This was people that were in the church. These are believers. These are God's children doing wickedly. That bad. So Paul says pray for the destruction of the flesh. See there in chapter 5? And look what he says there in the next verse. In verse 4. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. See, you're still saved. You go to heaven when you die, but God may just have to take you early. So can you live as you please? Yeah. Can you get away with it? No. There is a price to pay. Now, these people were even having the Lord's Supper, and they were getting drunk. I mean, they really took the wine seriously. I'll never forget when my sister one time, she came and, why well, she was just sitting right down there. Her name is Lizzie. She's in heaven now. But she had, had trouble with uh, been an alcoholic, the Bible called it been a drunk. So she would drink anything. She's sitting right beside my son. We had communion service. The guy had the grape juice. Came to her aisle, and before he could bat an eye, she'd already been down two and going back for the third. She was sitting on the aisle. She'd know, <laughs> This ain't wine. So I had an idea why she wanted to come to communion service that day. There's more to it than that. But you see, you can make wrong decisions, bad decisions, but it doesn't take away your salvation. So as you go through the book of Corinthians, there's people that were having all kinds of problems. There are 14 major problems that these people were having, having a bad day. So take your Bible and turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. There's three basic things that I want to give to you this morning. Those three basic things are saved, saved, saved. I've covered it before, but not with these scriptures, uh, with this context here. And I want to relate it to something else. When you trust Christ as your Savior, you're saved from the penalty of sin. That means you don't pay the penalty. You did the sin. You should pay for it. But Christ paid for your penalty. So you don't have to go to hell. That's done. You trusted Christ as Savior. You'll never have to pay the penalty for your sins in hell. He has saved you from that. In your life, the Bible says that he gave to each one of us. The Holy Spirit to live within us. Now you don't feel the Spirit. If He hadn't have told me that I had the Spirit, I wouldn't probably know I had the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit lives within you. And through teaching you the Word of God. So that it can deliver you from the power of that old sinful nature that lives within you. So now He wants to save you from the power of sin in your life. To deliver you from, you know, all the trials and temptations and all these things that snares and catches you and lures you, all these things. So we have an old sinful nature in our body. God never changed the body. God didn't save the body. He saved the soul and washed you white as snow. But now because you're still alive, you're God's child now, you're going to heaven, you've still got a body that still loves to sin. You still desire the things that are wrong. You can think wrong things, say wrong things, do wrong things, have a bad attitude. So God says, I want you to have power over that. Evidently, in their Christian life, they weren't using the power. They weren't listening to what Paul had said. They were being puffed up because of knowledge, but not application. So he says you're just babes in Christ. You're carnal minded. You're fleshly minded. In other words, you're not minding what God said. You ever have kids that don't mind? Ever have a wife that don't mind? (laughs) Who said that? (laughs) Or a husband that doesn't mind. Yes. Yes. <laughs> how many of y'all have one of those don't no, 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 no. Boy, y'all were too quick on that I couldn't even stop you in time but sometimes we just don't mind so God says I want you to be spiritually minded all right they were carnal minded and this is where God wants you to be sanctified in your life it means you cut off out of your life things that you don't need Things that just feed the flesh so that you don't do the thing God wants you to do. God wants you to make right decisions and study His Word so that you can grow and become a strong Christian. And so there is, in the Word of God, the reason for studying the Word of God, so you can be strong enough, spiritually minded, discern right from wrong, so that you can make better choices in your life. So that it saves you from the power of that old sinful nature that you have. Otherwise, you'll just live like a lost person. No different. You can be saved, live like a lost person. Then there is the third being saved, and that's when you trust Christ as your Savior. And there's a time coming when the Lord is going to take you out of here. He will save you from the very presence of sin. We're not going to be in this world. So I can be taken home by death. Or the rapture takes place and I'm changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. I prefer that one. So one day I will be saved from the very presence of sin. Because the Bible says we'll be with the Lord and there is no sin that dwells in His presence. Not even a lie. It's a holy place. Even called the holy city. So that is... Saved, saved, saved. Now, these people here, well, they're messing up on this second one. The one, yes, that was good. You trust Christ as your Savior. That was a smart decision. That was a wise decision. You're going to heaven now. But you're not there yet. He didn't take you to home. You still got a life to live. God may give you another 15, 20, 30 years here. Maybe 40 or 50. So look now in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He does a little rehearsing and is going to show these very same things, these three basic things that you need to see. Concerning the very beginning, in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, so we're talking to those that are saved, he's rehearsing to them what he declared unto them when he came to them the first time. I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein ye stand. I came, I preached, you believed. Now hold your place right there and look in 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, I want you to see this. In verse 18 he says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, that's past tense, it is the power of God. See, to save you took the power of God, not the power of man. Man can't save himself. So Paul preached the gospel. They heard the gospel and they believed the gospel. So he says that The only thing I wanted to know when I came there, and the first thing that's a priority on my list, is Christ and Him crucified. Look what it says in chapter 2. And look there in verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, but I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This was my message. This is what I preach. Because you see, you can't get anybody to live for God who hasn't first accepted Christ as their Savior. They have to be born into God's family first. Then you can talk about Christian growth and Christian character and integrity and all those things that we should have in our life. But if a man doesn't get saved, you can't have sanctification until a man has been justified so salvation is number one you must trust Christ to Savior that's why with us it is a priority in this ministry have you ever noticed how many times we talk about the gospel at this church and at the end of every service I try to do that little thing with the wallet deal. you ever seen that why when we're on the internet that's what we talk about if I have a you know every service is always about the gospel Because that's first, that's priority. Because there can't be anything until a man's done this. And it is the foundation, and there should not be any cracked in our foundation, questions and doubts about, am I or am I not going to heaven? Am I or am I not saved? It ought to be settled in your mind, I am saved. I've trusted Christ, it's over with, it's a done deal. Now that I am saved, what does he want me to do with my life? So that's what we began to teach. So look there in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. So then he makes a statement in verse 2, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. How can you believe in vain? Now there's two ways of looking at this portion of Scripture. One, you believe in vain if Christ did not come back from the dead. If you and I trusted Christ as our Savior, and he never came back from the dead. We're trusting a dead man to get us to heaven. Does that make sense? No, doesn't show any kind of wisdom on our part. You wouldn't be very bright to trust me to get you to heaven. And I wouldn't be very smart to trust you to get me to heaven. So our salvation being saved only because we're trusting him. And he came back from the dead and said, if we would believe that, we are saved, unless we believe in vain, unless he did not come back from the dead. But he did come back from the dead. Now, there's another way you could look at this verse or this portion of scripture. If, when he says there in verse 2, by which you are saved, this is talking about from the power of sin in your life. Remember, these people, Paul already said, you are saints, you have been sanctified. You are brethren but they had no power in their life they were not serving God things in their life had not changed and there should be if it doesn't change you still go to heaven but God wants your life to be dynamic for him he wants you to accomplish something he wants to use you and he wants a clean vessel but you won't clean up the vessel so he says here by which you are saved if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. You and I need to understand our sanctification or our changed life, our serving God is going to be because we are anchored to that foundation and there's no cracks in our foundation. The power that saved us is the power that can give us what we need. To overcome the temptations of the devil. That old sinful nature that you've got. The same power that raised up Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now there's several things that he does here. As he explains what is the gospel. The gospel that I preached unto you. So you look there in verse 3. For I delivered unto you first, first of all. That which I also received. Now in Galatians in chapter 1, he talks about, I received the gospel straight from Jesus Christ. I did not receive it from man. I got it from God. And the message that I received, I delivered. And as he says here, in verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that one Christ died for our sins. According to the scripture. According to the scripture is the validation of an Old Testament prophecy. Means in the Old Testament it states it. In the New Testament it's validated. And it says in the Old Testament Christ would die for our sins. And he did. That is prophecy. It is fulfilled. It's guaranteed. It happened. You and I believe that. But he not only says that, but look at the last part of it, where he makes a statement, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried. Being buried is the proof that he died. But he died according to the scriptures and that he was buried because you don't bury a man that's alive. Well, you're not supposed to. But being buried is the proof that he died. Now the rest of it's not over yet. In the very next statement he says in verse 4, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Once again validating Old Testament prophecy. It states it. He did it. It happened. We believe it. The word of God is true. Happened just like he prophesied. But notice the last part of the verse. Where it says in verse 5. And that he was seen. That's the proof. He came back again from the dead. It's not only validates that he died. But that he lives. All according to the scriptures. And then when he talks about what we saw. What we saw. He gives a whole list of all these people that saw something. They saw Jesus alive after they knew he was dead. They were convinced. You see, if he was dead and now he is alive, did you realize understanding and believing the power that can give to you? Not to fear anything in this world. Have no fear of any man. I know any man takes my life. I'm not dead. I can never die. Oh, they may put this old body in the grave. I'm going to be through with it anyway. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Like Dr. Stanford says, I'll live till I die, and then I'll live forever. But notice what he says in verse 5. Seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen. See, when they saw, it means it was the proof that they needed. And then 500 brethren at once. Verse 7, after that he was seen of James, then of the apostles. Last of all, he was seen of me. And then verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles, that I'm not meet or fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But now look in verse 10. Verse 10, in spite of everything that Paul had done, He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. Yes, I can say, I am saved. I have eternal life. I'm going to heaven by the grace of God. But Paul didn't stop with just that understanding. Because then he says, I labored more abundantly than they all. Laboring was not for salvation. Laboring was because of the grace of God. Look what God has done for me. Look what he's done for you. If he saved me from hell and gave me eternal life and I'm his child and I'm going to heaven when I die. Give me one good reason why I shouldn't serve the Lord. I owe all to him. Everything to him. I'm going to heaven when I die. I can't go to hell because he loved me that much. Now you tell me why I shouldn't give him all my life and serve him with everything that I have. But these Christians, they weren't serving him. They were arguing and fighting and bickering and adultery. You name the sin, they were doing it. So he's trying to let them see, Listen. I want you to know that there ought to be something happen in your life because of all what Christ has done for you. Now, you can't pay him back for what he did. But you ought to love him for what he did. We love him because he first loved us. So now, he goes down through here and he makes some wonderful statements. And I want you to see this there. Look at verse 17. And if Christ be not raised... Your faith is in vain, you're yet in your sins. When it makes a statement, you are yet in your sins. In your sin is a lost position. Christ says, unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. On the cross, one died for sin, one died to sin, one died in sin. Here he says, in verse 18, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If there's no resurrection and you die and there's no resurrection, you're dead. I mean, what hope do you have? And the problem was, some had already died. See, they believed that Christ was going to come back before anybody died, but people started dying. As he said, 500, as the last part of it says, but some are falling asleep. So what happened to them? So either you have to have an understanding or you'll allow the devil to quench your spirit, rob you of hope and love and joy and fill your life with nothing but that which makes you miserable. Did you know you that know Christ as your Savior not to serve the Lord? You're in for one miserable life. A life of, filled with love and joy and happiness is always in obedience to the Lord, not disobedience to the Lord. Look what he says in the very next verse, in verse 19. If in this life, in this life, this is after you're saved, but you haven't got to heaven yet. But in this life, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So if you don't serve the Lord and you go through life and you're miserable, good. I can't help most people. You can come to me and I'll talk to you about your problem, but if you don't want to serve the Lord, I can't help you. I can't help. I can only help you by telling you what God wants you to do. And if you don't want to do what God wants you to do, I can't help you. I can't help solve your problem. God says you're going to be miserable, and you're going to go from one headache to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and all of your problems, one miserable life. Now, if you want to be helped... I can help you to the Lord. I can show you what God says, what God wants you to do. Does God want his children to live a godly life? Yes or no? Yes, he does. How you doing? do not answer. But this is what God wants. And some people do. Some people will not. But you know, even though it's in this life, you see the word there in verse 20? But now, now? Now, and then you'll also find out over there in verse 50 where it says, Now, this I say, brethren, because see, it's in this life. Yes, there's going to be a resurrection. And one day, as he says there in verse 48 of chapter 15, As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. As is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. You see, my first birth, I got an old flesh birth, a body, sinful nature. And I bear the image of a person living in this world. I was telling men in Sunday school how that 40 years ago, how much younger I looked. And you know, if God should tarry... Down the road, I am right now the youngest that I'm going to be from here on. Today is the youngest day of my life that I'm going to have from here on out. Did you know that you probably look the best right now you're going to look for the rest of your life? Isn't that scary to think about? You will bear the image, and you're going to die in this old physical body. Your new birth, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, the one you can't see, is a spiritual birth. But God says you're going to be just like the Lord. Just like the Lord. Well, if that's true, when do you think God wants you to start taking on His image? When do you think God wants to start building some Christian character in your life? Well, I'm just going to wait till I get to heaven and get it all at one time. God uses the things in this life to work on you, to develop Christian character. You see, oh, I need patience. I just, I just need patience. Well, that's wonderful to know. Tribulation worketh patience. This person came to see Doctor Cameron, one of my teachers at Florida Bible College. He said, "Doc, I, w- I want to be like you." He's only about 22 years old. He Doc, I want to be just like, Doc was about 60. I want to be just like you. You know, every time you know you punch him, he, Jesus comes out. You cut his suspenders and I mean, he goes straight to heaven. But he just taught Jesus. He prayed Jesus. He was a wonderful man. He says, Doc, I want to be just like you. He says, You really do? He says, Yes, I do. I said, He said, you willing to do anything? He, anything. I don't care what it is, I'm going to. Then let's pray. They got on their hands and knees. Oh, God! Bless this young man with all the tribulation that you can pour out upon him. Break his heart. Bring him to the point of despair. He stopped Dr. Cameron in the middle of his prayer and says, That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) He said, I'm the way I am because that's what God did to me. Now, do you want to be like me or not? Do you want God to use you? You want God to break you tribulation work with patience and all kind of things that God has for you and then notice what he says down there in verse 51 one day he's going to deliver us from the very presence of sin you see that verse 51 says behold I show you a mystery we shall all sleep but we shall all be changed finally but you don't have to wait then to start changing something there might be some things you can change in your life today And start being more like Christ. How's your attitude? Did you know if you just fall in love with the things of this world, you're in for a lot of heartache and disappointments? You expect this and you got this. You shouldn't do that. You see, the Bible says, let my expectation be of the Lord. Whatever I expect, I expect it from God. I only want what He wants for me. That's all I expect. I Expect God to let anything happen in my life. He wants to happen. No problem So he makes a statement in verse 52 in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet Shall sound the dead shall rise be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed So this is going to happen and he's going to deliver us from the very presence of sin See when you trusted Christ he delivered you from the penalty You would never have to pay for it again now that you are saved, he wants to save you from the very power of sin in your life. And then one day he's going to deliver us from the very presence of sin. And when that day comes, because it's true, it's going to happen, look what he says in verse 58. Therefore, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not in vain. Christ see, he did come back from the dead. He did ascend into heaven. And he is coming back. And it's all going to be worth it. So serve the Lord with all your heart. Verse 58 is to us that are living here now. Not to do this is to be in for a miserable life. I'm not saying the Christian life is without all the problems. Yeah, but you don't have to go through life miserable. Joy is an option. Joy is you trust in the Lord. Has nothing to do with all the problems you have. Because you know Christ says, my joy I give unto them. Not as the world giveth. But you've got to understand where you're coming from. And I hope that this will help you. Look up here very quickly. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God, he loves us. He hates what we do wrong, but he loves us. And the Bible says that the pay for that is death and hell. That's the penalty. And so God says, to go to heaven, you have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. We're not righteous. God says, you cannot save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. He said that if we would believe he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account. We go to heaven on what he did. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation going to heaven is free. He paid for it. And I hope that every one of you have trusted Christ as your Savior, and you know that you have eternal life. Once you do it, you never have to do it again. It's the best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. In the quietness of this moment, would you just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand at all, but I believe Christ died for me. And I'm going to trust Him as my only hope of going to heaven. And friend, if you're making that decision, if you understood what I've said today, you've never done it before, you say, yes, I will trust Christ as my only hope. And preach, I'd like you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? If You've already done it. You don't have to do it again. Anyone else? Anyone at all? Just raise your hand very quickly. I can't see. You. Yes, God bless you, ma'am, back there. I saw your hand. Yes, God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir you can put it down. Thank you so much. It's a sign of good judgment. There's no tricks to it. I'm not going to have you come forward. not going to embarrass you. Anyone else before we close? Our Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us, for giving us the free gift of eternal life. We're thankful for these that indicated by an uplifted hand that they will trust you as their Savior. By doing so, they become your child, your child forever. And Father, we also pray concerning each individual here that knows you, We pray, Lord, that they would understand that there's things in their life that may not be right They need to talk to you about it. You want us to have a sanctified life, a holy life, not to get to heaven, but because we're your children, because we're going there. And that our labor is not in vain. It's worth it all. So bless each one here. We ask your blessings in Christ's name. Amen.